366, an innovative space for anyone involved in education, whether it be teacher, student, parent, or community member. Welcome back to Room 366 in the new year. We are, of course, if you listen to our opener this, this year, we are focusing on community and we're turning our eyes to how the design process, how this integrative STEM and STEAM educational design-based process will actually um, be manifested in our community. And we're looking to the experts in our community who help connect, can connect educators and students to real life. And today uh, I have brought to you a colleague from AU um, who, who he and I discovered each other at graduation last fall. And I'm not gonna take away um, all of the excitement of the story because James can uh, put it better than I can. And plus I just love listening to his accent. So um, no further ado, let me introduce to you a colleague James Grigg. Well, thank you. Welcome to Room 366. Oh, it's good to be here. So, James, to start off with, um, our listeners are primarily teachers from around the globe. If you could just uh, give them a little sense of who you are and how you came to be at Augusta University and what your position is there. So, my current title at Augusta University is I am Director of Facilities Operations. In a nutshell, that is trying to keep the campuses operating and maintained, um, whether that's HVAC, electrical, lock, grounds, all that side of the world, just to try and keep the wheels on the bus. Um, so I've been at AU since about October 2016. Um, I've got about 23 years in higher education experience, um, but you wanted to know about the accent. So I was born and bred in England. Um, my mother's English, my father was US government stationed in England. I uh, went to school in England, English boarding school. Um, so had to wear a uniform, had to wear a tie, not the Harry Potter capes, but you know, uniform, etc. cetera. Um, left school at 18, I went to um, university in England, actually went to Polytechnic. The official name is the Hatfield Polytechnic, which is now the Hertfordshire University, um, Hatfield, um, was originally developed as the de Havilland Apprentice Works with de Havilland Aircraft in the late 30s. Um, went for civil structural engineering, so I have a Bachelor of Engineering with honors in civil structural engineering is the, the official degree name. Um, came to the US shortly after graduating, um, lived with my grandparents in a small mill town in North Carolina, looking for a job, trying to, as I say in, in jest, trying to get the original 13 colonies back under the mother flag. Big picture for the queen, just a joke, knowing that everything politics is going on right now probably doesn't sit well with some people. Um, so try to get a job in the North Carolina area, didn't work, had been to Charleston, uh, so eventually moved to Charleston. And uh, shortly after Hugo found a job in a small mom and pop engineering firm. And I mean mom and pop engineering firm because that is what it was. Um, the owner, Roland Colbeck, was a professional engineer. He owned the firm. His wife, Mary, answered the, uh, answered the phone, was the receptionist. I mean, it truly was mom and pop. Um, worked there for five years, and we were doing everything, residential, commercial, um, 
every day was different. Everything was unique. Everything was just outside the box. Um, and that was the time after Hugo and kind of the rebirth of Charleston at that time. Um, shortly after that, kind of went and worked. He sold the company and ended up going for, um, po um, went to work for a small contracting firm that was doing renovations up and down the coast on Hilton Head, um, hotels, et cetera. Got to learn to work with construction crews directly, managing work. Um, we renovated hotel rooms. So we would get a block of hotel rooms on Monday morning, um, eight o'clock in the morning, and there would be someone sleeping in them, a new guest Friday night. So learn how to set up construction projects quickly, how to manage crews, get material on site, just a lot of that, the softer skills of managing people and, and schedule, but the hard skills of making sure materials delivered on time, they've got the tools and, and everything they need to do the job. Um, probably in 97, saw a job at the Citadel, um, which is in Charleston. Um, for something that kind of tied my engineering experience and my construction experience, which was the, the title of the job was deputy director of the physical plant, um, really kind of combined managing workshops, um, which is what we call the kind of the maintenance shops, and then also doing projects and helping with events. Um, so went to the Citadel in September of 97 and stayed there for 17 years, almost 17 years, um, various positions, resident engineer, yeah, interim VP, and just really kind of enjoyed higher education. The every day is different. Every day, you know, you can't necessarily plan on what's happening. Um, got to be involved with special events, whether it's a presidential visit um, or actually a presidential debate. Um, a lot of special projects actually had to come up with a how to create a museum piece to mount a piece of the um, World Trade Center as an art exhibit. Um, so just a lot of unique and interesting things along the way. Um, 2014 went to Georgia Southern for a little, about two and a half years, see if my skills would translate there. And then in 2016 got lured to AU in my current role and, and title. I know that was a tall elevator ride, probably World Trade Center level, um, but you know, that's the synopsis. Wow, I mean, I'm still trying to wrap my head around all of the experience that you've had, it's amazing. Um, and like Dr. Gress is telling us earlier, she hasn't told us much about your super amazing project at AU. She did say it was, you know, something that was for graduation. So could you tell us a little bit about that project? So, you know, in May of last year, in, in, in the throes of the initial part of COVID, we did a virtual commencement, um, held it at the Performing Arts Theater, and it kind of had, as we kind of moved through the summer, um, leadership had wanted, you know, based on the, um, the levels in the community, wanted to try and have a more in-person event. In-person both for the students, um, in person for the family and, and the faculty as well. More of a more of a celebration than a just kind of what would look like a, a, a glorified Teams meeting or WebEx. Um, so kind of started planning um, with campus leadership and all the various operational groups. How do we pull off in the time of COVID a in-person commencement? And what are the things we you know, can do normally? What are the special things we had to do? And kind of probably, I would say in October, someone came up with, uh, all right, how are we handing out diplomas? Um, 
region, normally they are handed off to the graduate or as they're about to walk across the stage. Well, that puts the graduate and the person handing the diplomas within two foot of each other. Um, obviously, there's a lot of hand holding of tubes. Um, so how do we create that as socially distanced as possible, as limited handling as possible um, uh, for a commencement? So I got a call um, probably one afternoon shortly after a uh, campus leadership asking, can I come up with a design for a way to hand out diploma tubes um, in a socially distanced way for commencement, knowing that commencement is on a set date in December. You know, it's not like my project can slip. It's got to be tested, operational, ready to go, you know, in, in time. Um, so I usually, normally what I do when I get these, these special tasks or when my brain is kind of conjuring up ideas is I use a whiteboard, um, either a whiteboard or scrap piece of paper and just kind of sketch out my thought process. Um, at, you know, it was around the same time Halloween was going on and between Pinterest and memes, you were seeing everything about how people were going to, you know, give out candy for Halloween. And there were tube slides and there was people with aerial raceways and all those various things out there. So it kind of got the brain rolling in terms of how do we give out diploma tubes in a way and, and you know, the person who gave me the task, which is Dale Hartenberg, who kind of oversees commencement as a whole, and we talked about tube slides, you know, like the um, you know, PVC slides, like gutter slides, and I thought, well, that just doesn't look good. Um, you know, knowing that we've got to get, it's got to be portable, we've got to set it up, we've got to be able to operate it, um, you know, really don't want it too cumbersome, don't want tubes hung up, kind of thought of the idea and what kind of the thought process was, um, what you see at fast food restaurants with straw dispensers, where you got to kind of, uh, you push the little lever down and a straw rolls out and there's a little bin of them that's stored up. So that kind of became the impetus. Um, didn't, you know, thought about the bin scenario and what we actually created was a sloped ramp where, and it sits on a six foot table, so you maintain socially distancing. And at one end of the ramp is you load the diplomas in and they roll down the ramp and the graduate picks up the diploma at the other end. And we have a plexiglass shield that covers the vast majority of the, the tubes to prevent coughing or anything like that. Um, so that kind of was what I ended up coalescing to in the whiteboard. Um, Took a couple of photographs, sent it, sent it up as okay. Here's some ideas. You know, give us some feedback. Um, a couple of weeks later, get the green light. All right, need to make it and deliver it and have it set up and operational in time for commencement. Um, so I tasked my carpenter shop and kind of brought them in, showed them the whiteboard, explained kind of the big picture. We had a couple of diploma tubes. So like, this is some of the things we got to work around. Um, answered their questions and kind of was like, all right, y'all go build it. If you've got questions, come back. You know, let's talk it through. Let's you know use the whiteboard, just use paper, and let's kind of work through the logistics of this. Um, so they mocked up, kind of fabricated out of scrap wood they already had, um, a kind of a rough version. Test drove it with diploma tubes. The diploma tubes rolled, which was a positive. 
didn't hang up. Um, so kind of looked at it, sent some pictures off to say, hey, you know, this is what we're looking at. Showed how if it sets up on a six foot table, there'll be room at the one end for a box to be able to load the tubes in and kind of talk through that operational side of how to do it. Um, so got the green light from the from the created version, the mock-up version. Uh, so we stained it, finished it, put the plexiglass cover on it and delivered it the day before commencement, set it up operational and kind of worked like a charm, no hang-ups. There were some little opportunities that I think we'll get to work through with version two. Um, if we're still doing socially distanced commencement come May, got some ideas of how to make it a little better, you know, 2.0 it, but uh, um, I think in all it was a great success and uh, I think it was appreciated by the graduates. And James, I just have a little quick comment before we get into more specifics of your project and everything that happened in the design process, but a little bit about myself. Um, I actually graduated with my bachelor's in anthropology from AU um, December 2019, and I think that might have been the last quote-unquote normal graduation that Augusta University had. Then my husband um, graduated with his bachelor's as well, but in December 2020, so just a year apart, but he did, um, you know, use your really cool machine, and that's not something that I you know, even thought of when they were having the social distance graduation, it didn't, you know, occur to me that you would be within two feet of each other handing a diploma. And I do think that that is really important, especially for all of the um, problem solvers that are needing to emerge because of COVID and because of these, you know, different difficulties that are emerging. Well, I'm glad he got to use it. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think it's important because I watched graduation from my office, but I didn't know about this creation until Dr. Guest came back and told us about it. So um, I'm a little bummed, but that's okay. I understand that everybody wanted to see their graduate and unfortunately not your awesome invention. <laughs> it was um, just one small part of commencement. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm sure. So can you tell us a little bit more about your team that helped you build it? And, so, and how uh, instrumental they were. So it's, it was our carpenter shop on the health science campus. So we have three employees in the carpenter shop. Um, Walter, Terry and Tom um, kind of tasked them as a group um, to work on it together. Um, so they would kind of combine their ideas, use the whiteboard, kind of mock up we had created. Um, was not too locked, told them I was not too locked to this is the design, these are where all the cuts have to be, just using it as a kind of general reference tool so that they could tweak it along the way. Um, so really kind of put it in their hands, told them to come back, any questions, you know, let's look at it and make sure it's right. Um, there's no wrong, at, there's no wrong question, there's no wrong design, we can tweak it along the way. Its main thing is, is working it out from a 2D image to a 3D, physical and does it work as anticipated? Um, you know, it, did the final finished product end up exactly like we did on the whiteboard? No, um, but it fully functioned in the intent we had with the initial whiteboard sketch. So, you know, James, I'm loving what you're saying because it's like 
I just want to have you preaching behind me as I'm teaching folks about the design process and the power of it. Something that struck me that you said is that you um, consider it a success, but you may have some tweaks for version two. This is this is something I want to explore with you. So how is it that you can consider it a success and yet still have ideas to change it? Does that make sense? So oftentimes teachers or students think because it's not perfect at the end, it's not a success. But that's not what you said. Could you kind of go there for us? So, I mean, uh, for me, it was successful because it dispensed the tubes. You know, it, it met what we needed on December 11th. We did not get to dry run it. We did not get to test it out two weeks before, you know, and do a beta model. You know, the beta model was with two tubes in the carpenter shop, you know, a month before. Um, so one of the things, because I'm an engineer and have gone through project management classes and having done quality systems, is that you, you know, the plan, do, check, act cycle. So I look at, you know, not only the projects I do, whether it's building a building or as part of a renovation, but even with special events or just unique activities is, Yes, it can be successful day one and it meets everything I intended to do, but not necessarily with hindsight, but with saying, okay, there are still some things I can do better. You know, the sound of the tube as you put it into the holder, when it dropped, it made a clunking sound because the bottom is plywood. You know, not something we ever thought of until day, day of commencement when we're loading tubes in. So things I would like to do better for version two is possibly have a small piece of felt or thin um, pad of like um, like an old mouse pad, like a bit of neoprene, just to absorb that little bit of sound from the tube so it doesn't echo through the arena. Um, someone made the suggestion, well, I need some way of, as a, as a graduate's grabbing the tube, it needs to kind of be presented up a little higher from the other tubes. So, okay, how do I how do I kind of roll a tube up to a little different elevation? So it looked at kind of having a little ramp at the very bottom that pops that end tube up a little higher than the other ones and makes it easier to grasp without touching um, the other tubes. I mean, some of that you didn't learn, I didn't learn until we saw in our operation. I didn't see how the graduates were grabbing the tubes. I didn't see how the person was loading it and that sound. So those were things I couldn't have, I may have hypothesized during the design process, but until you saw it in action, I really didn't know those were issues I needed to correct. Um, so yes, I still, I call it a success because it functioned as we aimed. Could we have done better? Yes, that's what we're going to hope to do with version 2.0. And then, you know, one other idea someone mentioned, instead of having to load tubes in you know, one or two at a time, maybe create a hopper system like the uh, straw dispensers where they kind of, you load the hopper and they just kind of funnel down automatically instead of loading you up after, you know, after four or five tubes. So, you know, kind of a couple of ideas to think through as we move forward. Got it. And and I think that that is a really powerful message from what I'm from listening to you. It's not a failure. You're never really at the end. You're you're if I'm understanding you correctly, it's it's optimizing. 
it's making it better, right? And and um, gosh, the thing is though, is it never ends. No. You, I mean, and that's that feedback loop you want to create where you've designed it, you've built it, all right, it works as you intended, but now that you've seen it in operation, okay, well, you critique it and maybe someone else critiques it and you see how it's being used and you'll realize, oh, wait, I can make it a little better still. You know, it's still good, but I can make it better. And, and maybe once you've made that next iteration, you realize, oh, wait, there's another little tweak I can make and I can make it better still. And, and it's that, that feedback loop that you need to kind of put into place. You're not criticizing yourself in a negative way. You're criticizing yourself in a positive way. And you listen to feedback and you see people's interaction and you build on that to make the product better. Yeah, and I had one. Yeah, one other follow up with that. Um, I heard you clearly. I mean, so you you were the kind of the point person. I mean, you're the you're in charge, right? The buck stops with you, but you didn't do this alone, right? No. I mean, yeah, and and your team clearly, from what you said, it was this big involvement of everybody's kind of contrib contributions. Am I? Did I understand that clearly? Yeah. So it, it, I intended it not to be a me directing, you will build it this way, you will cut it this way, this is where the notches will be. I'm like, I had to give some freedom because they were the ones who were working with the wood and with the tubes. And I wanted them, their physical interaction with the process because that may make the design better. So you know, it was a conscious decision to say, this is not just James's design, this is a team design. And I'm giving up at this point, I need you to make it. This is kind of some of the parameters I would like, but within those parameters, I'm okay with y'all tweaking it as you see better. Yeah, and so obviously you enjoy, or you've cultivated a trust with your team so that, you know, you trust each other with this. You're 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 working together toward this goal, and and I think that's a, another important thing that people don't realize within the design process is that it's really together. You know, it's bringing people together around one focused goal, and um, you 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 brought that up so clearly. Um, yeah, and even better with an English accent. Well, thank you. And, and I do think the more brains involved and the different perspectives that people look at it, you end up with a better process. You end yeah. up with a better project and a better process at the end because more of that brain power and the different perspectives people look at it with, it brings things up that you may not have initially thought of. And, and so you get to see it from a different pair of different lands and a different brain. And I think it can make the product, the process, whatever, better in the long run sure because you, more collaboration yeah you don't know what what their background is that they've brought to the table they may have seen something that you'd never seen but they could contribute so i love that i love that part and so james in all of this what have we not asked you is there something else that you really want to convey to our listeners um, these are all, again, teachers and students who maybe need to reach out to an engineer to understand or whatever. How, how would be a great way, would you suggest that they connect with engineers? 
I mean, I, I, I think it's not just, I mean, I think reach out to anybody in their area. You know, there are facility staff in most schools. There's facility staff that kind of not only on the maintenance side of schools, but inside, you know, admin, um, the admin area who do the planning, design and construction. They've got a vast amount of resources um, and, and process that they would be more than happy, I'm sure, to help out with any project. Um, you know, the maintenance staff, I think, are one of those groups that really can provide an extra set of eyes. They've got a vast amount of skills and experience from a vast amount of different trades um, and, and can really kind of look at it at, from a slightly different point of view of how to accomplish a task and, and may have done it themselves. You know, um, I'm willing to be a resource as needed. Um, done a lot of little oddsy ensy things throughout my life. So, um, you know, whatever I can do to help, I'd be more than happy to, uh, you know, kind of help them down that road. Yeah. Bear in mind, my daughter's, a, my daughter's in middle school in Columbia County, so she would be more than embarrassed <laughs> to have her father come speak at school. Yes, that's awesome. So, you know what, James? You have brought to the table two main things that I want to clarify. Number one, Yes, use your maintenance folks that are in your school. How come we don't think about them as being part of our team? But they are. And awesome, awesome idea. Number two, James, so I'm going to put you on the spot. Can I link in your email address? Yes. Yes! <laughs> he wouldn't say no. We're on the air. <laughs> James, I appreciate you so much today. Thank you for your enthusiasm, for being willing to be a part of our podcast and to, just to kind of, you know, connect with the teachers out there and give them encouragement and um, real life application. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And thank you, ladies. Thank you. God save the queen. Thank you. Very much. <laughs>for listening to the room 366 podcast remember you can listen to our podcast every tuesday on spotify apple Podcasts, google podcasts or whatever platform that you prefer also thank you to our sponsors without them we would not be on the air aarp and the south carolina after school alliance see you next time in room 366